folks. All right, what is going on? 47 Foot Friday coming at you. Once again, we're back in podcast form. Uh, haven't been on the podcast form in a while. Actually feels like uh, I've been on the road past couple weeks. You know, I've been on vacation, come back from vacation, end up going to D.C., uh, going down for Game 5 of the World Series. Obviously, I just did last week's 47 Foot Friday on Facebook Live. Uh, did that down in D.C. the night before the parade. Um, also, apologies for not having the opening siren for the show this evening. Um, having some technical difficulties getting that recording to sync up with the recording for the mic. Um, so I do apologize for that. But ultimately, we are back. Better than ever. And honestly, 47 Foot Friday is about to have another jam-packed episode. And, you know, I'm not surprised. Feels like every week I got a good amount of ammo to come at you guys with. Realistically, though, folks, obviously, and I just came from there, but as I start every week, this episode is sponsored by Amherst Pizza and Alehouse. Great place to go. I was just there for many hours watching the Sabres in Sweden, uh, watching them take on the Lightning in the first game of two. Um, obviously, they did not come up with the win, but you know, ultimately, I will dive into that in a minute. Um, but you know, we had some great beer specials there during all Sabres games, folks. Is Hockey Night in Amherst. I know it was a day game, but there were still half-price pitchers of Molson and Coors Light. Uh, there were, what was it, half-price on medium pepperoni pizzas. Um, folks, you really can't find a better deal in the North Town. So if you're looking for a place to go to watch some games, get some good food, get some good beer in you, um, any drink specials, really, go down to Ale House. It's going to be your place to be. Um, starting with that, though, with how, you know, where I just spent the last couple hours, Lightning and Sabres. Um, right now, Sabres are sitting at 9-5-2. Tampa Bay Lightning, 7-5-2. Sabres are on a four-game losing streak right now. Uh, Kucherov scored. Vasilevsky made 20 saves. Um, and honestly, you know, it, it just looked like, you know, the Lightning had control of that game. Pretty much any time you look away from the screen, it just seemed like you look back and Tampa Bay scored. Um, ultimately, you know, the over under for the game was only six and a half. So, I mean, or, you know, the total score was only five. So it hit the under by a goal margin, a goal and a half. So it was relatively a low scoring game. You know, Tampa Bay put up two in the first period. Uh, Buffalo responded with one in the second, one in the third. Um, but ultimately it was Tampa that came out with the third goal uh, in the third period there. And they won three to two. They're going to be back tomorrow, 1 o'clock Eastern time game. Obviously, if you're looking for a place to go to watch it, you're going to want to go back to Ale House. Uh, but the Sabres are on a little bit of slide, folks, and I'm not going to lie to you. When I just went down to D.C. the last you know, last week for the parade, um, I was sitting at the game. I was sitting in my seats, and I sat next to a Sabres fan. He was wearing a Jack Eichel jersey. Um, so me and him started chatting it up, and I said, be honest with me. You know, you're in D.C. You're wearing Sabres gear. Tell me the story. And he said, Kyle, you know, we were close enough at that point, exchanged numbers. We've been talking, um, actually, since I got down in D.C., don't really know how we ended up next to each other. But we started talking, and he goes, Kyle, this team worries me. And it's rightfully so. Uh, maybe he's, you know, a little bit removed because he lives down in Virginia now. He's not from Buffalo anymore. Um, but he grew up in Buffalo. He's from this area. And he said, this team scares him. And I asked him, does this team remind you at all of last year's team? That went on that 10-game run, looked like a big flash in the pan, but that's all it ended up being. Um, and he said yes. And ultimately, I told him I felt the exact same way. That this Buffalo Sabres team, it was a little earlier in the season, obviously, 
Um, but it looks like this Buffalo Sabres team is just one that I don't want to say it's just a quick flash in the pan, but um, ultimately it just doesn't seem like they were going to sustain the start they were off to. Um, and I want them to, believe me, I, I would love them to, but it just seems like they're very similar to last year where it was kind of just flash in the pan. They got really hot, got everyone kind of, you know, keeping their eyes on them a little bit, giving them a little bit of buzz. Um, but that's all it ended up being. And then they kind of simmered out and ultimately missed the playoffs again. Do I see that being this year? I don't want it to be. Um, I would like to say the Sabres, this team looks better, quicker, um, just better on the defensive end. They're better head coached. That's just true. Um, but ultimately, this team is just giving me flashbacks and to last season, but at an earlier point. Obviously, the team last year started getting into that stride around now. Um, ultimately, Sabres started their season high. And, you know, while we all around here would love to see them maintain that, um, when you're only putting up 22 shots against Tampa Bay's 34, and, you know, you're, let me look at the penalty minutes here. Buffalo had four more penalty minutes than Tampa. Faceoffs won. Tampa Bay, you know, demolished Buffalo 40 to 18. You're not going to win games like that. You can't be outshot by 12, lose faceoffs by double, over double, um, and have 40%, you know, I wouldn't say 40%, but four more minutes of penalty minutes and expect to come out on top. The fact that the Sabres kept this 3-2 is honestly impressive. Um, realistically, tomorrow's game, I think is going to be, imp- uh, you know, going to be something to keep an eye out for. Um, you know, games being overseas like that in Sweden, um, in the capital, I'd like to blame it on jet lag, but, um, ultimately this team's going to have to kind of flip a switch, um, and get something to click because this, you know, they're kind of looking like the Sabres of old. I mean, Tampa Bay was a minus 170 favorite today, and they showed it. I mean, it just, you know, the Tampa Bay played better than the score indicated. Um, I don't know if I would necessarily say the Sabres played as good as the score indicated. Um, I would honestly say I think the Sabres, the way that this game felt to me while I was watching it, very easily could have been 5-2 to two Lightning. I think Tampa Bay could have put another couple up. Um, and I think the Sabres, you know, kind of got away with one here, only losing by 3-2, to two. but... We'll see how tomorrow goes. I think, you know, I don't think this team is doomed. I think this team is very talented. I think they got a way better head coach than they did before. And honestly, I'm just interested to see how this team plays out. So Sabres, here's my challenge to you. Don't be like last year. Um, Don't be a flash in the pan. Turn it around. Now, as I like to do every week, did not get to do this while I was away in D.C. last week. But I'm always a big fan of Thursday Night Football recaps. Um, you know, I always love just keeping up with what the game was. Everyone always knows and acknowledges that Thursday Night Football, nine times out of ten, is a garbage fire. Um, normally you get your your Browns and Jets, uh, your Giants and Dolphins, your mediocre Broncos and Buccaneers. You know, you, very rarely do you get two high-caliber teams. Um, I think last night, in terms of record and performance, we had a little bit of a mediocre matchup. You know, you had the 4-4 four and four Raiders versus the 4-5 and five Chargers. Um, but ultimately, you know, with, with how these teams carry themselves, what people notoriously know them as, uh, I, I think this was a very good Thursday night football game, and I think it kind of showed. Um, Phillip Rivers, you know, put up 207 yards. Derek Carr put up 218 
Ultimately, Raiders came away with the win, 26-24. Uh, let me double check on what the spread here was. But, I yeah, it was Chargers minus one. Um, so, ultimately, Raiders not only covered the spread, but they covered the money line. I believe the Raiders were about plus 120 on the money line, plus 130. Uh, might have even only been down to 105. I know the Lions, depending on where you bet and how close to the game you bet, I would say you got the Raiders anywhere between plus 105 and plus 130. But it was a home game for Oakland, right down, you know, right up in Oakland, California. Uh, and honestly, I think, you know, the Raiders are Raiders are going to be interesting, folks. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't, I, I think the AFC is good enough to the point where, you know, they're going to need to win more games to really be in contention for making noise in the playoffs. Um, but for what it's worth, folks, they're not, you know, they're not out of it. Five and four, you know, you got to figure nine times out of 10, the the worst team getting into the playoffs is nine and five or nine and seven, nine and five. Um, yeah. Most teams are going to end nine and seven. I mean, if that's your typical, Wild card, maybe an eight and eight. Um, very, very rarely were you going to see a seven and nine make it, and that's if pretty much the in entire conference bombs that year. And ultimately, it comes down to division winning percentage and division record, strength of schedule. But you got to look at it right now. You got Patriots as the overall number one seed, Ravens as a number two, Houston is the number three, Kansas City is the number four, Buffalo Bills are sitting at wild card number one, um, then you got Indy at number six. Raiders are right there at five and four. The Colts are five and three. Honestly, really interested to see what happens between the Colts, Raiders, and Steelers um, for the rest of the year. Uh, below the Steelers, you got you know the Jags, the Titans, the Chargers. Um, obviously, these are AFC teams. If that you haven't picked up on that yet, but outside of the Steelers, outside of your top eight, you're looking at the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are going to have Nick Foles returning after the bye. Tennessee Titans, who really do not have a standard, you know, a standard starting quarterback to rely on. Um, Chargers have Phillip Rivers, but it looks like Phillip Rivers really should be done. Um, Chargers, like I said, they're just not doing it for me this year. Broncos, Browns, Dolphins, Jets, Bengals. Um, that rounds out the AFC, but, you know, for what it's worth for the Raiders, they're looking pretty good. Um, an AFC matchup normally especially between two wildcard teams like that can have pretty big, uh, pretty big implications on the rest of the season. So I'd, I'd really be interested to see what these two teams can do for the rest of the season. Um, if you look ahead for the Oakland Raiders schedule here, they just finished off, you know, the lions last week, chargers this week, they were on a two game losing streak before winning those two games. Um, now let's look at the next few games, bottom tier Bengals. Bottom tier Jets. Got to figure the Raiders are going to put two wins together there. Probably looking at seven and four going into that uh, game against the Chiefs December first. Now that's ultimately you're going to have a healthy Chiefs team there. Patrick Mahomes is going to be back and good to go. So um, you know I could probably see the Chiefs walking away with that one in you know uh, in Kansas City. See them beating Oakland. But I mean I'm you're looking at games against the Bengals and Jets for the next two weeks, folks. There's a reason those two teams are bottom of the barrel. I think Oakland has a better team than their record lets on to be. So um, I would ultimately expect the Raiders, you know, looking at 7-4 after these next two games. Um, and flip the script. You know, it's not worth just kind of singling one team out. I think it's realistically up to the Chargers how they're going to finish the season. But 
Um, let me just look here. You know, let me look ahead at the ch rest of the Chargers schedule because realistically, folks, if the Chargers have any bit of a harder schedule than the Raiders, they're done. Already four and six. Next few games already starting up against the Chiefs. Next one is at the Broncos. They might be able to win that one, honestly. Broncos are one of those teams that can win any week, lose any week. Um, then they're at the Jaguars versus the Vikings at home. And then they're again against the Raiders at home. Um, but, you know, you'll just look the next three weeks ahead. Chiefs, Broncos, Jags. You want the Chargers to go at no worse than 2-1. and one. I don't think they can afford to go worse than 2-1. and one. Uh, Ultimately, if they go 1-2, and two, you're already looking at 5-8. and eight, And then you got to win out to really hope you can uh, make the playoffs there. And even Phillip Rivers said on the final drive, they had eight snaps and went no yards. That's that's not going to win you games. It's not going to get you to the playoffs. So realistically, folks, just keep an eye out for the Chargers. Keep an eye out for the Raiders. Um, I do predict the Raiders are going to make it in as that sixth seed. Um, I, I think we're looking forward to a good AFC playoff race, really. Now, last Major sport topic before we get into some off-topic conversation. Um, MLB free agency rumors. So Jeff Passan of ESPN is one of the big ones to follow, one of the big uh, writers to follow. If you're looking for free agency, uh, hot stove analysis, trade news, anything like that. You know, he's Jeff Passan is usually going to be the one you're going to want to look at. A couple big things to note. Free agent Josh Donaldson of the Atlanta Braves. Um, rumor has it Texas Rangers have expressed a lot of interest in Donaldson um, because they've got, you know, they got a, they got their money to spend. Um, they got third base as priority. Starting pitching is going to be a priority. Um, but Donaldson had a phenomenal season with Atlanta. And honestly, um, I, you know, I could see the Rangers really making a play for Donaldson. I think he would fit there. It seems like one of those moves that ultimately it happens and you're like, yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, but I, you know, I could also really, as long as Atlanta wants him back, has the money to have him back, I could see Atlanta re-signing Josh Allen. You know, they did really well this year. Um, ultimately, they, you know, didn't get to where they wanted to in the playoffs, but you know, they they did what they had to do to get there. Um, they shut down the division, shut down the Nationals. Ultimately, did not matter, but it happened. Uh, and honestly, I could see Josh Allen making a splash, really, no matter where he goes. Um, next up for me would be keeping an eye on Brett Gardner and the Yankees. Um, rumor has it, you know, according to Jeff Passan, they've engaged in talks to bring him back. Um, obviously, you know, last year they, the Yankees kind of went back and forth with bringing, you know, bring back CC for this last year. Um, but you know, with Aaron Hicks getting his Tommy John surgery, I think Brett Gardner is going to be a position player that you're going to want to bring back. Um, I just think the Yankees are going to have too many, you know, too many holes out there to fill. The farm system is deep. Don't get me wrong. But I think the experience you get from Brett Gardner, the professionalism you get from Brett Gardner, uh, just the, the clubhouse guy you get out of Brett Gardner. I think he's going to be one you want to keep around. And honestly, I, you know, if you can get him at a good enough bargain and he doesn't want to leave, I say, do it, bring him back. Why not? And last but not least, on my MLB free agency notes, Steven Strasburg, Anthony Rendon of the Nationals. Um, Nationals, in my opinion, folks, are only going to be able to afford to bring back one. Um, now, do I think that Strasburg 
ultimately is the more valuable player. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take that back. I don't I don't know if I would say Strasburg is the most valuable player. Do I think that in terms of talent at his position, Strasburg is a player that can make any single team better? And ultimately, can he win you the World Series? Clearly, we know the answer is yes. Steven Strasburg is just that guy. Um, he would be a great number one starting pitcher on many teams. Only reason he's number two on the Nationals is because they have Max Scherzer. Now, with that being said, if you can only afford to bring back him or Rendon, folks, I got, I got to be honest with you, I'm, I'm bringing back Rendon. Um, Nationals got Scherzer on the books. Nationals have Corbin on the books. I I don't see them having the depth. I don't see them having the farm system to really support Anthony Rendon leaving. Um, he's an NL MVP candidate in general. Uh, honestly, sh- you know, should have probably won the Gold Glove at his position, won the Silver Slugger at his position, and outside of a couple, you know. Realistically, if Anthony Rendon leaves, you got to make a trade. You got no one in your farm system that's a reliable third base fill-in. Um, you you don't have anyone that you can say, okay, if Rendon leaves, you know, it's a, it's different than a Soto Harper situation. You don't have Harper leaving, and you're like, well, we you know we've had Soto anyway, so we know what Soto is capable of. You don't have that behind Rendon. You don't have that ability to confidently say, this is my guy. This is it. And if Rendon leaves, we're fine. I don't think the Nationals have that. Behind Strasburg, they have Scherzer and Corbin. Obviously, they have Sanchez as well. Um, if you bring back Strasburg, that's great for. And then obviously you have uh, Joe Ross. You have Eric Fed. Uh, you know you have a couple of guys that you could grab to fill in there. But even if Strasburg walks and you're left with Scherzer, Corbin, and Sanchez, I would I think personally I would throw the money for a blank check at Rendon, whatever he wants. I think that is more valuable for this team. Now, last but not least, let's get into what happened down at Alehouse tonight, folks. None of you guys know this unless you've been following Alehouse and Trainwreck and myself on Twitter. Um, I started a little poll myself. Do you dip pizza in ketchup? Simple answer. 96% of people said no. Now, I say 96% of people, and most of you are probably thinking, okay, yeah, sure, that's that's a fair estimate because 96% of 40 people are going to say no. Um, no, folks. No, th- this poll got... Let me double check the numbers here, folks. I'm I'm 90% sure this poll got about 900 plus votes. Um, 1,086 votes, actually, to be exact. And this is in about an hour and a half. So literally since about 530, 96% of people out of 1,086, so you're thinking, you know, about 960 people have said that dipping pizza in ketchup is disgusting. I'm not, I'm not going to go as far and say it's disgusting. Never done it. Probably wouldn't do it, but I don't know about disgusting. I mean, I made the options works for me or disgusting. So it makes sense that 960 people roughly, give or take, would say it's disgusting. I get that. Um, but we got some pretty damn good content out of that. Um, Steffi, Steffi's burner account said it's gross. We've got replies saying jailable offense. Um, one person said they'll try it. They used to put bologna in the middle of their peanut butter and jelly. Um, that, that person also needs to go to jail. 
Um, some people have said the people that like pizza and ketchup are the same people who like ranch. Um, whoever likes ketchup on pizza is nine years old. <laughs> Someone did say let people like things. I, however, do not like this thing, which is fair. Um, uh, let's see here. I think ultimately, you know, we had a couple hot sauce, blue cheese, sure, but no ketchup. Who the hell are these 4%? I get that. One thing I really want to bring attention to is the guy that said he's done dominoes and relish. I think that guy needs more help than any of us right now. But winner for the most out there response. And I, I need to find it so I'm not misquoting anybody. But dear God, when I tell you folks that Heinz Ketchup replied back to us and was, you know, just about, just about at their end. Um, let me, I got to try and find the tweet here because ultimately J-Dubs said, where is it? J-Dubs quoted our tweet here and basically said, you can block me if you do this. Um, it was right here. So Trainwreck tweeted, folks, you know, and it was me that sent out the tweet, dipping pizza and ketchup, what's your take? J-Dubs quoted it and said, if you eat this, block me. Ultimately, didn't think much about it. You know, he tweeted this at 5.53. 5.55, Heinz Ketchup replies, and it is verified, Heinz Ketchup underscore US tweeted, we don't want to, but you made the rules. And 30 seconds later, J-Dubs was blocked by Heinz Ketchup. You know how much random Twitter crap you have to start to get blocked by Heinz Ketchup? Folks, I feel like I honestly started a war. Trainwreck versus Heinz Ketchup is the biggest Twitter war of 2019 since Funnel Guy and Pat Moran. I mean, it, it's just unreal. Was not thinking it was going to get nearly this much traction. I thought it might get like 40 votes, 5 retweets, you know, maybe get a little bit of traction. But for for me to tell you that it was going to get 1,086 votes and the intention of verified Heinz Ketchup, no, no, no. You never would have had me believing that for a minute. So um, ultimately, Heinz Ketchup, you're a true homie, but we got to stick up for our fans and we got to stick up for our boys. And J-Dubs is in a position where he's being blocked for sticking up for his taste palette. And I got to support that. All right, folks, that is it. 47 Foot Friday coming to you is done. About 24 minutes of hard coming content. We're only at about 23 and a half, 22 and a half for anyone that's going to look at this timestamp and tell me I'm wrong. Friday, November 8th, 22 minutes, 47 seconds of hardcoming content. I do love y'all. I do appreciate y'all. I will be back next week. And folks, this train never stops. Good night.